Welcome to Coffee with the Sarlows. I'm Kelly. And I'm Karen. We are a mother-daughter duo of mediums, medical intuitives, psychics, and energy healers offering personal sessions to clients all over the world. And this is our podcast. Coffee with the Sarlows is a platform to share the remarkable experiences of our clients and the messages that are channeled for them from the spirit world. These stories will make you laugh, some will make you cry, and some are certain to be an absolute butt-kicking with love. Our intent for this podcast is to gently and kindly challenge your beliefs, grow your empathy, and help you find pieces of your own self in each one of these individual stories. Before we jump into today's show, we have a few notes for our listeners. Karen and I have personal practices channeling for local and international clients. If the stories in these shows is something you'd like to experience, you can request your own personal session through our website, bysarlo.com. We also have gift certificates available if you wish to gift this experience to someone anywhere in the world. We have a second podcast series called Sips of Sanity. This series is your emotional and intuitive intelligence toolkit. We pick one topic every month and provide you with healthy tools for critical thinking and communication. This series airs the first week of every month. The first show is free and can be found on our website, your favorite podcast platform, or YouTube. The full series can be found on patreon.com forward slash by Sarlo. Patreon is our membership portal with a ton of monthly benefits for those of you seeking to grow your emotional and intuitive intelligence. Karen has a personal blog that explores the beauty and importance of intuitive gifts. There's a question and answer segment that addresses listeners' questions. As we mentioned, you can find the complete Sips of Sanity series here, along with handy habit trackers and great reflective questions to help you get the most from the shows. We provide you with guided journeys and music to enrich that experience, and we're running an emotionally intelligent, interactive book club. And for patrons in our top tier, each month we're putting your names into a draw for a free half-hour channeling session with Karen or myself. If you're interested in joining us, head over to patreon.com forward slash by Sarlo. Now, on to the show. Welcome to this wintry Saturday morning, Kelly. How are you? I'm good. <laughs> good. Um, I need the name of a female for our story today. I have chosen Magdalena. Oh, that's beautiful. Now, am I going to call her Maggie? Do you have a short no. form? We're honoring the full name. Uh, Magdalena. Okay, good enough. I'm going to go with that. Um, this is a client that books a 90-minute session. Whoa. It's, and it's the very first time that she has seen me. Should we hunker down as the audience? I think so. Okay. Do you see the pages of notes before you? Yeah, but you know, like, not to like toot my own horn, but I've summarized it in like a sentence and you're like, oh yeah, I'll just put these notes away then. <laughs> so I mean, anything could have happened, Karen, <laughs> but I'd like to get through a coffee. <laughs> okay. I'm going to do my best. <laughs> Challenge accepted. <laughs> yes. Okay, so Magdalena has 90 minutes with me, and she says, um, I would like to hear about soul contracts today. And I said, okay. She goes, but I, I'm saying that, but I want to go open. So she says, anybody's soul contracts. And so the spirit guide said to me, no, that is not what she's doing. She wants to know about particular soul contracts with her own family of origin. She wants to understand what has happened to her and her place within the family. And I said, okay, that's a little different than what she's telling me because as you know... It's not she, a little different at all. 
Here, let's put it this way. I'm going to put it in some really disgustingly obvious ways, okay? Mm-hmm. If I enter into a bedroom with someone and say, I'm open to anything when it comes to sex, mm. and they go open, and all of a sudden I'm like, holy fuck, this is not what I wanted. This is not what I thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. And I said, yeah, but I said open. It wasn't really that different. Yes, it is. Mm-hmm. And I'm using something that really creates like a jarring effect for people when they think like, mm-hmm. oh, fuck, that actually is not at all what she communicated. Mm-hmm. Or like, that's important. Mm-hmm. And it might not come out as such a terrible thing for Magdalena because you're going to handle it with a lot of integrity and care, right? But when we say things that we don't mean or we don't ask good questions, we don't, not only do we not necessarily get what we want, we get into trouble. Yeah. And it's an invitation for someone to cross your boundaries. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And to not consider your feelings or your needs mm-hmm. because you're saying that you're so open that you don't have any boundaries at all. Yeah. So thank you for explaining that. So I told her that I said, Magdalene, I said, the guides are not agreeing with you at all. I said, they're saying that you do want specific soul contract, soul contracts. And in particular with your family of origin and that you actually are really looking to try to, to figure out today what those family dynamics have been, you, you're looking for answers to, to behaviors and things that have occurred because you're in, you've been in pain your whole life about this family. And she goes, well, I, yes. And I said, okay. I said, we need to be on the same page. You, the spirit guides, me. And I said, so in this triangle, if we're not all on the same page, your needs won't be met. And I said, so the guides are saying that they want to be on the same page as you. And I said, and I, I want that as well. So I asked her for permission to do exactly that. And she said, yes. And the first thing that the guide said when we, when we got into the meat of it is that when she was a child, her parents raised her and many siblings um, in a situation where she is expected to do the cooking, the cleaning, She's expected to do quite a, quite a lot of things in the home, um, and not there is no expectation from the siblings to do the same things or equal amounts of work in different areas. There's a real disparity in expectations, mm-hmm. and the children, her siblings, um, see that they see that. She is treated differently than them. So they have a very superior feeling when they're around her. They don't, they feel like she should be cooking. She should be cleaning. Those are her responsibilities. She's supposed to be taking care of mom and dad and the rest of us. And they don't ever question. And this goes really back to the way mom and dad create these dynamics in the family. Her siblings, when they're young, now they're children. They don't question that I'm allowed to go play in the yard while she cleans. I'm allowed to have friends over while she is doing um, mowing the lawn or doing the grocery shopping. They, they, they grow up in that environment, not questioning it because it's the way that the parents set it up. And that's key. This is a key. She sits and listens to that and goes, oh, I just remember doing all of those things. 
I remember being mad at my siblings. I remember saying something to my parents and crying and being upset and saying, how come they don't have to do this? How come they get to play? But my parents just dismissed it and said, get it done. There was no explanation for it. To pull that apart, to say exactly why we've chosen you, Magdalena, to be the person to do all of this, and why, to all of the other children, we think you're different, but the way Magdalena sees it is better than her. And so I just dumped all of that out, and I said, is this all correct? And I said, and by the way, the guides are saying that there are several siblings in your family. There's, I think she, they said, more than five. And she said that was accurate. And I said, is that correct about the way that you were raised and how your parents treated you? And she said, yes, but I didn't ever understand it that way. She says, I just did the whining, and I, and I complained about it, but you're helping me understand that it was my parents' responsibility that they should have answered those questions, that that this explains why I feel angry towards them and all of my siblings and why there's a division between me and them as a group, that I don't ever feel bonded to them, Mm -hmm. that I never feel connected. And... Then there's a pause in the conversation, and the guide said, could you make sure that you say to her at this point that this could be also an explanation as to why she doesn't feel connected in social environments either, why she goes into a friend's home and doesn't feel connected to anybody there, or she's out with a friend group, and she still feels like, even though she's at the dance with everybody else, she's always on the lookout to see how she's going to get pushed out of the group. She's waiting for that bullying. Interesting. I would have just said like self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah, because your siblings are your first peers. And if your parents, if parents, period, don't give you an opportunity to figure out those dynamics on your own, like they did with her, they just put her in a position, not even really of authority, but of servitude Mm -hmm. to create a less than, better than, or more deserving, less deserving, Mm -hmm. then she doesn't actually figure out how to be a peer because she is taught subconsciously through these these roles, that she is not a part of peer groups. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and as a result, like you're saying, Kelly, she doesn't ever understand any of that. She's just hearing it for the first time worded this way. Yeah, and so how do you know how to engage with someone who could or would be a peer? You would be on the lookout for evidence that, oh, right, I'm not a peer. I have a role. Yeah, and the guide said that when she went into the friend groups, if they were all at a party, she would be the friend that would get up and go and clean up after everybody. Yeah. Or she would be the friend that would um, run to the grocery store if somebody said we're out of something. She's the mom of the group. You That's got all it. she knows how to be. Yeah. So she she hears this in the session, and you can see that she's, well, not just see, she confirms it verbally that yeah, this is in fact how I've struggled 
with friend groups. And I and the guides then said, it's at work. She goes to work and she doesn't feel part of a team either. And it comes out even in performance. Pardon me, let me finish that sentence. It comes out in performance appraisals that she's not seen as a team member, but that they point out tremendous strengths that she has and that she's extremely valuable as an employee, but that they're trying to coach her to be part of a team. And so her response is, how can I be part of the team? They underachieve, expecting me to overachieve and pick up the slack. And so she has a work environment where her boss is very similar to her parents. And so she slides into basically, well, not basically, seriously, the very same role. Mm -hmm. And she seems to find this in each place that she goes. So we sat there and just kind of looked at each other. And I tell you, it was, it was a hard few minutes to sit as she just kind of took all of that in and said, I can't believe that the spirit guides are bringing all of this up. So I said to them, okay, so why is she saying why is she saying that? She's asked for the soul contracts. And they said, well, she's saying that because she's shocked that you don't know her and that you're describing her whole life to her. Yeah. And she's shocked because she wasn't seeing it from this perspective. She's seeing it from, I'm hurt. Um, why are they behaving this way? How come they don't like me? Um, how come they're not more responsible? And how come after decades of life that her s- siblings are treating her the very same way that nothing has changed? So she just kind of sat, and I just remembered like being with her and just letting her feel everything, the discomfort of it, all of it. And the guide said to me, she has not made any attempt to go to therapy to talk this out or to actually work any of this out with a therapist who could explain the dynamics of her family, who could say, this is how you were raised and these are the beliefs that you had. So she says to me, well, what do you mean these are the beliefs that I have? You just grow up that way. What do you mean the beliefs? And I said, well, the way that we are parented create and develop those beliefs. And if you don't know what those core beliefs are from those childhood experiences, then you're going to likely live your life still on those in those belief systems. Then you're going to stay stuck permanently um, where you are. And you will continue to repeat your behaviors, and you will continue to be to repeat what you say and what you believe about other people and what you think they believe about you. It's a lot to unpack. It is a lot to unpack because there's also a lot of things that have not been said. And that's, that is the case when you are not challenging a belief system that you were brought up in. So if she, I mean, the the four-year-old or the six-year-old or even the 10-year-old, for example, they have no idea what that actual belief system is. Mm -hmm. They're just acting out by observing their life, their surroundings, their people, and really unconsciously making a decision about what, what behavior should I be doing that's going to secure love, attention, 
and my basic needs. Mm-hmm. We don't consciously know what that belief system creates. We just know, oh, this behavior got me what I needed versus this one didn't. So you can grow up and have understandings conceptually that men and women should be treated equally. Men, women, and they should be treated equally. We can have a a concept that everyone is worthy of going after their dreams, like these, these cliches that might be thrown at us, but we don't necessarily actually absorb them as a belief system if we haven't examined the unhealthy one that we were raised in. Kelly, that's gold. Thank you. And and I say this when I I teach Beverly Angel's 10 false beliefs of the people pleaser, I will say to people, let's go through the 10 false beliefs and ask ourselves, how many do we actually believe in? Let's read it and figure out, do I even believe that this is true? And people scoff. And I love that they scoff so quickly and go, those are all false. It's in the title. They're all Mm -hmm. stupid and ridiculous. And it's like, yeah, you're totally right. Let's ask the second question. How many do I engage in anyway? Mm-hmm. And that's where we start to figure out, holy fuck, I know it's not true, but I'm actually doing it. Therefore, it must be an ingrained belief system I have yet to uproot. Mm-hmm. Well, this is where this session headed, was into Beverly Angel's core beliefs of the people placer. Yeah. <laughs> and... um. Particular examples for her, which with each of her siblings, because we had 90 minutes. So the spirit guides would come in to say, with this particular sibling, and they would call them sibling one, two, three, four, five, and six. And I remember sitting there just doodling on a piece of paper in front of me, trying to keep some of them organized. But where we would tick off and be able to say, or I'd put my hands up in front of her and say, okay, here's this core belief that your siblings' opinions of you matter more than your own opinion of you. And she'd go, no, I don't believe that at all. And I didn't as a kid either. I was mad about that. And then I'd say, but here's an example of how that would play out. And she would say, oh, shit. Yeah. Oh, shit. And then she'd go, oh, God, now I see what you mean. Mm -hmm. And then we would sit there and go, okay, so if that's one of the examples, then does that apply? Did you have that experience with number one, number two? And then we would take it off, and she'd go, yep, 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 yep. And we would go through it, and then she'd say to me, oh, my God, that's all siblings. Why did I think I didn't believe that? Why did I think that that wasn't one of my core beliefs I was stuck on when clearly I acted that out with six out of my six siblings? So we would go through each of the six and identify that she actually went into those behaviors with each of her siblings. Mm -hmm. And then she would sit and look at me and go, okay, I think I understand what the guides are doing. They're trying to connect my current behavior to a behavior in my past, because as you're asking me that about each of my six siblings, I can tell you that I currently do that with my partner. I can currently tell you that that's one of the reasons why my employer has pointed out that I have some issues about not being a team player Mm -hmm. at work with my coworkers. So she goes, I'm sitting here going, light bulb, light bulbs are going off. What the hell, Karen? So in other words, you're telling me now that I only traded out my siblings for my coworkers. Mm -hmm. I traded out my siblings for my, my partner and my kids. Yep. 
I think one of the things I want to mention too, I don't know if this is going to come up, but like you can't uproot a belief system for just one person, right? Like if you, if Magdalena is buying into these false beliefs as a kid with, well, buying into them, period. And she thinks, well, I didn't people please one brother, but I did the rest and all of the other siblings, then the belief system is strong. You didn't uproot it for one person. Mm -hmm. It's there and it's being reinforced over and over again in the ways or at the times that you engage in the behavior that reinforces the belief system. Mm -hmm. Now, it happens little by little as we reinforce healthier behavior, but we can't just think, well, I do a great job with one and not the other. (laughs) Then the belief system is alive and strong and still running the show. Mm -hmm. And more than likely what you're doing is with the other people that you're not people-pleasing, probably moving into more aggressive behavior, probably moving into more likely um, asserting with verbal abuse rather than having a healthy middle balance between the two. Yeah, you're talking about swinging the pendulum, Kelly, which is fantastic. Mm -hmm. So she's got these siblings where she's people-pleasing them, and that's swinging it one way. And then the very opposite could be that she picks one particular friend, maybe, that she bullies or does the exact opposite because she's releasing that valve. Mm -hmm. Covertly or overtly. Yeah. And chances are... Not that she's aware that she's doing that, but there's so much stress there within her own family unit when she's a kid that that valve has to be pretty tight. So when you finally find some other person that you might think, I don't want to say is weaker than you, but somebody that will tolerate the other aspects of you, then you release the valve on them. Mm -hmm. And it, it doesn't always come out in a very kind way or a very healthy way. Right. So that point came up from the spirit guides about swinging the pendulum. And she sat and looked at me and she went, I totally know what you're saying. Good. And I said, okay, good. Who is that person for you? Do you know who you did that to? And she goes, well, I can't think about it in childhood right now, but I know know who I'm doing it to currently. She says, I know exactly what you're talking about and I need to get that addressed because that's the child that will not talk to me anymore. Mm. So she says, so I'm understanding why one child has walked away from me. Yeah, they're trying to uproot that belief system. You, Oh, Kelly, they're, thank they're, you. Yeah, they're doing the work. You got her. Oh, I just adore you right now because... Oh, thank you. Yeah, because you just so get it and you say it so cleanly for people to listen to and get. So back into the session, Magdalena just looks at me and it's just this moment of... Relief of understanding it and shame yeah. of knowing it. And I sat in front of her and I went, uh uh-uh, uh, no, 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 no. I said, Magdalena, stop. And she goes, stop what? And I said, don't go into shame. Don't turn left. I, yeah, I said, Stay don't right do here. it. Don't do it. Freeze. And she goes, okay, okay, what do you mean? And I said, freeze your emotions just for a second. There's no reason that you need to go into your shame. I am not here to shame you. Your spirit guides are not here to shame you. We simply want to shine the light on areas where you didn't have understandings. We want you to feel compassion and love for the child that you were, for the adult that you became without the tools, and for the woman that you are now sitting here 
wanting to know better. Mm-hmm. And that we want to give you tons of credit that you booked an appointment because you just wanted to be better at something. Mm-hmm. At who you are in some way. You just didn't understand it. You just kind of, you just put the feelers out there and you didn't know you were going to get shame in your session. And we don't want you to have shame in your session. So you have the choice not to accept it. Cool. I, I love how you worded all of the ways that you said it's not about shame. The unhealthy belief system wants you to feel it because it keeps you in the unhealthy belief system, perpetuating the behaviors, right? Um, A healthy belief system, I I, want to illustrate this as well as I can. The opposite of an unhealthy belief system is not perfection, Right. And I think this is really important to word it that way, right? When we figure out, holy shit, I've been buying into the 10 false beliefs, the opposite must be these things and I have to do them perfectly. No, no. The opposite is simply health. And we're not going to do that 100% of the time. We're going to work hard at it. We're going to make mistakes. We're going to practice self-compassion. We're going to practice empathetic and honest apologies. But we're not practicing perfection. Therefore, the healthy belief system doesn't need shame to experience change and growth. Yeah. It's lovely. I got to tell you, Kelly, Magdalena and I had a freezing moment there, and it turned out to be a pretty nice one. Mm -hmm. She accepted the offer of not going into shame, as far as I can tell. Good for her. She sat there and said, thank you very much for telling me I don't have to go into it. You know what? I want to I want to acknowledge the moment that you illustrated for her though, because I know we've said this in other shows and it can be really misconstrued if people are feeling particularly on edge about shame in general. I always encourage people to be very aware of their shame. It's not that I want you to feel more of it. I want mm. you to know when it's present. Mm-hmm. Because if we are moving so quickly out of the emotion, to distract ourselves, to go into a different emotion of just total avoidance, then we can't really learn. Mm-hmm. We can't really learn what caused us to, f- to feel this feeling in order to actually address that so that we don't have to feel shame again. That's not avoidance. That's doing work. When you froze the moment and said, up, 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 I can see you want to turn left, mm-hmm. and that is where shame is inviting you to go into more shame. You have a different choice. You actually had to be aware of that moment because now what you're choosing mm-hmm. is not a distraction action or a distraction emotion. It's conscientiousness, mm-hmm. and that's the way we want people to live. Mm-hmm. But shame in this way that I'm illustrating it can be a really great teacher when you're just aware that it's present. Yeah. We don't grow when we're in our shame. We grow when we come outside of it to observe it. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. Thank you. Beautifully said. So then she, uh, we were coming to the end of the session because in reality, I know you just looked at all my pages. In reality, we went through every single one of the siblings, Mm -hmm. and they gave her examples with each of the siblings. And I know I mentioned that a little while ago, but I wanted to remind the listeners that when you have the opportunity to see Kelly or I for a session, that you get some of those opportunities with the spirit world where she would say something like, well, what about my oldest brother? Well, what about... And she did. 
She didn't do it in an order. She just picked them the way that she wanted to. And the guides came back and picked an example where they picked a part of the, his personality that he was struggling with as a result of being raised by the same parents that treated him that way, treated her the way they treated her, and how that scenario then creates a distance between the two of them. Mm-hmm. I'll say a, a, a bridge that's very difficult to cross. Mm-hmm because they have such polar opposite op- opinions of who that person is supposed to be to me. Mm-hmm. And she went, oh my God, I love how you said that, who that person is supposed to be to me. She goes, this is something that I've never been able to understand, is why do they see me the way they do? She says, you've, you, the spirit world, I don't want to say me personally, Karen, but the spirit world ended up being able to answer that question for her. Well, okay, can I go along the lines of your bridge analogy here? Yeah. I actually thought you were going to say a gap, right, that needs needs closing. But if we actually think about a bridge existing, that is actually what you provided. It's the Mm -hmm. understanding, right? Because if there Mm -hmm. really is a gap between the two of us, like Magdalena and her siblings, I don't even want to cross it because I don't like what's on the other side. But if the bridge itself helps me understand why we got to this place, what this place truly is, and why they would feel the way they feel given our our upbringing, then maybe I do want to meet you halfway. Or maybe I do want to cross over and have a conversation. And I don't mean die cross over. I mean cross this bridge and say, hey, brother, um, let's chat about this. Mm Mm-hmm. I, I think that's really neat. The bridge to me is the understanding. And if we're not asking the question why or how, then that bridge looks very unappe- unappealing. Yeah. It, it look like you said, it's not really a bridge. My analogy isn't great. It's a gap. It's a moat. Yeah. And you just, it's not something you want to dive into. Because there's alligators. All right. <laughs> we went medieval on your asses. We did. <laughs> well, it just seems too difficult. It just seems like you can't reach each other. Yeah, it, and it also feels dangerous. Mm-hmm. It feels like the exact opposite of safety. Yep, and there would be a fear on both of their parts of the other. Yep. The other cannot understand me. Therefore, will judge or reject me again. And I've already been rejected. So why? I've had enough of that. Thanks. It, yes, and you know, Magdalena in particular feels very rejected by all of her siblings, and doesn't understand as a mature woman that so much of it had to do with her parents' unhealthy parenting. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I want to point out something that Dr. Margaret talks about a lot, and she's um, she's got her own show called The Self Work, and we love sending people her way. Therapy is not about pointing fingers. Therapy is about understanding how and why we got to this place. It's not about placing blame. It's like we've talked about. It's the bridge to go, oh, that makes sense. Not I like this, right? Not I like where I'm at, but oh, it makes sense that I got here given what I just went through. Right, Kelly. So maybe therapy then just becomes an opportunity for Magdalena to do nothing other than understand who her siblings are and how they got there. Mm -hmm. And maybe that's enough healing right there. Yeah, because we can't control how they want to engage with us. Exactly. So her session comes to an end. 
And just as we're getting to the end of the session, she she pauses and she says, Karen, she says, I feel, um, and I thought, oh, I wonder what she does feel. I just remember her saying that. And then she took this great big long pause. And I'm thinking about the emotional wheel and I'm thinking, I wonder if she's going to say just plain words like, I feel better. Mm. You know, and then she says to me, I feel relief. Can I say I feel understanding? Mm. <laughs> like this. And I said, I don't know. I said, if that's how you feel, then maybe that's just a good word for you till you find another word that describes what that gives you when you come to an understanding. She goes, oh, I see what you mean. It's actually giving me some peace of mind. There. Peace. Yeah. She goes, so it gives me peace in my mind. I don't have to ruminate anymore. She goes, I feel like all of a sudden I'm in front of a great big field that's open instead of what I used to feel where my head was just always full of my siblings and always bouncing back and forth and ruminating why I'm not getting along with this one or this one. Or She says, my head was just always so full. Mm. She says, so is it good if I say to you, I now feel empty? <laughs> Peace of mind is yeah. empty. I love that. Isn't it? Buddhists would love it. Yeah, I think so. Because I think she had a beautiful way of saying how full your mind is when you don't understand something that goes right back to your childhood hmm. and how for decades on a daily basis, you can go into your files, if we want to call them files or memories or just your thoughts, where they come up again and, you know, one trips on and on to another, you mm -hmm. know, yeah. and you're ruminating and then you real you don't even realize it. And all of a sudden time has passed and you've spent it ruminating instead of being engaged Mm -hmm. in what you're currently doing. And she says, I think I'm going to go around saying my mind is empty now. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny to think that like our biggest source of clientele comes from word of mouth and that it could possibly <laughs> generate from people being like, you gotta go. Afterwards, I just felt empty. It was great. <laughs> This is so funny, and I love that you're you're saying this, and I love that she experienced this in in her own descriptive way. Like we're rebranding recently; yeah, right. it's coming. You guys are going to hear it. We're going to prep you for it, and all of that. And you know, we're sitting down with actual people who market proper messages, so that we can get really clear and help people understand what we do. And this is what we're fucking up against yeah. when people are like, okay, so help us, you know, deliver your message. What's the biggest thing people feel when they come to see you? Yeah. We, we have to sit there and be like, uh, well, we, we hear that they feel empty and they're like, yeah, we can't work with that. <laughs> yeah, that's, is that really what you want your clients to feel empty? <laughs> yeah. But, but, and I mean, no, ultimately that won't be the way that we, the way that we go, but like, there's so much joy for both of us hearing that that's what she received that day. Absolutely. Because if you're talking about somebody emptying all those old reels that are just going round and round, creating those ruminating thoughts where you're full of stress and anxiety and worry mm -hmm. and anger and sadness and frustration well, and grief. And I could go on and on and on. Yeah. And empty really does go along with peace of mind and the word that she said, which was relief, right? Mm -hmm. um, so good for her. That's wonderful. Mm -hmm. And congratulations. It sounds like you did an exceptional job for her as per usual. Uh, thank you. 
I, I have got to say to you, Kelly, that when we got into the nitty gritties with each of the siblings, it was beautiful. Mm-hmm. Like there's just, I don't know, I guess really, I just love spending every single minute with the spirit world. So if I get an extra extra 30 minutes instead of a one-hour session... Oh, hell, just another affirmation. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. It was a good day. Cool. Well, thank you for sharing, and, and thank you to everyone who tuned in today. Um, we always appreciate you guys being here. Thanks for listening to Coffee with the Sarlos. If you enjoyed the show today, help spread the love with a like, share, or review of the podcast. See you next Saturday with a brand new episode.